This program is made possible by the giving of the God-called partners of Renner Ministries. Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick. Welcome to today's program. My name is Rick Renner, and today we're going to be discussing why did God choose Mary? There were a lot of girls who were old enough to give birth to the Son of God. So was there a special reason why God chose Mary? And on the screen behind me, you can see a beautiful illustration, which is from my new book called Christmas, The Rest of the Story. But in that illustration, it shows Mary's father, Joachim, who is instructing his little girl in the Word of God with her mother on his hands, on her shoulders. That is in Mary's home where she's being taught and instructed in the things of God. But hey, I want you to order the entire brand new series, which is called Christmas, the rest of the story. It's 15 parts. It is just thrilling to learn all of this. The subtitle says, Amazing Insights About Christmas You've Never Heard Before. And today, you're going to really hear brand new things. And this series comes with a huge study guide. It's just enormous. And it's filled with all the points, the principles, the Greek words, the history, everything in the series so that you can read it while you're seeing it or hearing it. And of course, we're offering you my book, which is called Christmas, the rest of the story, nearly 300 illustrated pages about the birth of Jesus and all the details surrounding the birth of Jesus that you may have never heard before. When I was growing up, I heard the same story every year. But when I became an adult and I became educated enough to learn how to use the Greek New Testament to really study, I began to unearth things I had never heard before. And they are just thrilling. And all of it is in this book, Christmas, the rest of the story. But you can order all these things by going online or by giving us a call right now. And we're waiting to hear from you. And when you reach out to us, please let us know how to pray for you. We're waiting for the phone to ring right now or for your email to show up in our inbox so that we can see what's on your heart and we begin to pray with you. And we really will. But hey, watch this and then I'll be back in just a moment. In a culture where Santa seems to overpower the reason for the season, it's time to return to the true meaning of Christmas. In Rick Renner's timeless new book, Christmas, the rest of the story, Rick uncovers the stunning details of the nativity story you have never heard. Details like who exactly was Joseph, the father of Jesus? Why did God choose Mary? What was the star that guided the wise men? Who were the wise men who came to see Jesus? How far did they travel? And what was the value of the gifts they brought to Christ? Through its detailed watercolor illustration, Christmas, the rest of the story, invites families to explore the true meaning of Christmas as they interact with the story across decorated pages in a coffee table size format. When you call or go online right now to pre-order this book for just $35, you will receive the eternal story of Christmas, now beautifully told in this timeless keepsake. This is a sweeping portrait of the Christmas story, allowing readers to reflect on why Jesus came at the dawn of the first century and ultimately the reason for his birth. With stunning illustrations and nearly 300 pages, your family can create a tradition that will last for generations. Great as a gift or enhancing your own traditions, pre-order the book today. Christmas, the rest of the story for just $35. Call now or go to renner.org to order. 
Don't miss this special Christmas offer. Today we're going to be looking at the question, why did God choose Mary? There were a lot of girls who were old enough to give birth to the Son of God. So was there a special reason why God chose Mary? And the goal of today's program is to really look at this question. Why did God tap Mary on the shoulder for this monumental assignment? And today we're going to find out clues which may give us the answer to that question. But I want us to begin today with Luke chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 26 to 30 where the Bible says, And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored. So according to this verse, she was highly favored. Why was she highly favored? Then the angel said, The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she, that's Mary, saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. What an amazing story. A small town, a virgin that is a spouse to a man named Joseph, and suddenly she discovers that she has found special favor with God. But what do we know about Mary's earliest beginnings in life that may give us possible clues as to why God chose Mary out of all the other girls in the land of Israel? And we have to begin with the village of Nazareth. The scripture tells us that Gabriel came to Mary when she was in the little obscure town called Nazareth. What do we know about Nazareth? Well, even though Nazareth is named in the New Testament, very little is known about Nazareth outside of the New Testament, and very little is even known from ancient sources because it was just so obscure and so unknown. What we do know is that it was a small agricultural village and archaeological research concludes that during the time Mary and Joseph lived there and Jesus was born, there was probably about 120 to 150 people who lived there, though there is one historian who speculates maybe as many as 480. But I think you get the point. It was a very small, obscure little town. Wow. But it was so far off the beaten track that no one would have gone there unless they intended to go there. It wasn't on any main road. It was off the beaten track, just a little obscure town. In fact, it was so inconsequential that Nathaniel asked the question in John 1:46, can anything good come out of Nazareth? But what else do we know about Nazareth? Well, the name Nazareth is derived from the Hebrew word netzer, a word that means a shoot or a branch. And this is very, very profound. We read in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1, a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse and a branch from his roots will bear forth. And in this verse, this word branch is this same word netzer from which we derive the name Nazareth. And scholars concur that Nazareth was so called because a branch of Jesse's family, a branch of the Davidic line had moved to the city of of Nazareth, and it seems that they relocated there about the year 100 BC. A clan of David's dynasty moved to 
Nazareth. It really was a branch of the Davidic line. And the angel Gabriel said to Mary that her son would sit upon the throne of his father, David. That's because both Mary and Joseph were descendants of David, which means Jesus was literally born into the royal Davidic line that remarkably lived in the little obscure town of Nazareth. In Luke 2, verse 4, it tells us that Joseph was of the house and of the lineage of David. Even Joseph was of the lineage of David. But in Luke 1.32, Gabriel said clearly that Mary would give birth as a virgin, which means Jesus was born with no male involvement. He was born of God. And that meant that Mary also was of the divinic line. And in Luke 1.32, the angel said he will be given the throne of his father, David. In Luke 1.69, the angel said that God would rain up a horn of salvation to us in the house of his servant, David. In Romans 1, 3, the apostle Paul wrote that Jesus was born of the seed of David according to the flesh. Well, Joseph really was of the seed of David. But in order for Jesus to be born of the seed of David, it meant that Mary also had to be in the divinic royal dynasty. So Christ was conceived without man's sexual involvement, and it means Mary, his mother, had to carry royal blood in her veins as well. Both of them were members of David's family. But in Luke chapter 1, verse 26, the Bible says, And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to his man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. So now we know that both Mary and Joseph, both of them were of the house of David. Thus, Jesus sprang from a royal line. He really is the king of the Jews. But there's something else we have to know. We need to understand that Nazareth was near to the city of Sephorus. The little town of Nazareth sat on the side of a hill about 400 feet above a valley. And from Nazareth, you could look in the distance about four miles away, and there was a hill. And on the top of that hill was a very pristine, splendid city called Sepphoris. This is very important to the story of Jesus. When Herod the Great died, his kingdom was divided between his three sons, Herod Archelaus, Herod Philip, and Herod Antipas. Herod Antipas, the third of the sons, became the tetrarch of Galilee. And when he was proclaimed the tetrarch of Galilee, he proclaimed Sephorus as the capital of his new northern kingdom. And because it was going to be his capital, he launched an enormous campaign to embellish it, to develop it, to make it the most splendid city in the Middle East. He wasted no money. He spared no expense as he began to embellish the lavish city of Sephorus. Josephus tells us that Sephorus was the largest and most beautiful city in the region. And in the city of Sephorus, there also was a very beautiful and luxurious synagogue. And the city of Sephorus became the largest center for sacred Jewish roles. And in fact, this collection of roles was so significant that after the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem in the year 70 AD, the Sanhedrin and all the theological leaders relocated to the city of Sephorus where this huge collection of roles was kept there in that magnificent, luxurious synagogue. Wow. But what is the connection of Sephorus with the story of Mary 
and why God chose her to bring Jesus into the world. Well, we have to go back and learn about Mary's earlier life in Jerusalem. And we know from early Christian writers that Mary's parents, whose name were Joachim and Anna, were very wealthy and they were benefactors and gave much of their resources to the work of God. We also have early hints that Joachim was a scroll scholar and they prayed and prayed, God, please give us a child. But they were already elderly. They had no child, but they made a promise very similar to the promise that Hannah made to God in the book of 1 Samuel. And they said, God, if you give us a child, we will dedicate that child to you and that child will serve you all the days of that child's life. Well, Anna gave birth and she gave birth to a little girl named Mary. It was the answer to their prayers. And early Christian writers tell us that her parents officially dedicated her to God as an infant and from her childhood, they begin to instill into her that she had been brought into the world for a special purpose and that she was to be the handmaid of the Lord to obey whatever God's will was for her life. And to help her grow spiritually, we're told by early Christian writers that her parents enrolled her in a special school in Jerusalem near the temple grounds that was designed for the training of young girls in the scriptures. This is so very important. And it reminds us of the importance of instilling into our children that they are not an afterthought. They were not brought into the world by accident, that God has a plan for them. And I want to ask you, are you instilling in your own children or grandchildren, hey, God brought you into this world for a special purpose? Have you dedicated your child or your grandchildren to God? That is what Mary's parents did. And not only that, they made sure that the scripture was placed in her. They did all they could to develop her spiritually and to teach her that she was to be the handmaid of the Lord and she was to do the will of God, whatever the will of God was for her life. They instilled that into her and spiritually her parents begin to shape her and form her to say yes to God's plan for her life. So if we're looking for a reason why God chose Mary, first of all, we can see that Mary's parents had intentionally reared her to be spiritually sensitive. They taught her to love the Word of God, and they instructed her and made her to understand that she was the handmaid of the Lord and she was to be willing to do whatever God ever asked her to do. So when Gabriel showed up, and spoke a surprise word to her, rather than argue with the angel, Mary surrendered to the call of God. Why? Because it had been taught to her that she was brought into the world to do a special job, whatever it was. And in Luke chapter 2, verse 38, she simply said to Gabriel, be it unto me according to thy word. And my friends, in the same way, you can intentionally help develop your children to say yes to the will of God for their lives. You can train them and spiritually prepare their hearts to become a vessel that God can work through. My friends, we see in this example of Mary that what her parents did was very intentional and it may be one of the reasons why God knew he could use Mary. But what do we know about Mary's father? Well, early Christian records state that Mary's parents were wealthy benefactors. They gave a lot to the work of God while they were living in Jerusalem. 
But another early record tells us that Mary's father eventually moved his family to the city of Sephoris, and this is the connection of Sephoris to the whole story of Jesus. Sephoris had the largest collection of sacred rolls in the land of Israel. And in fact, it was so important that it became the headquarters for the Jewish Sanhedrin after the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. Wow, that is amazing. But there are early hints that Mary's father participated in the keeping of the sacred rolls that were stored in the synagogue in Sephoris. In Christian terms, we could say that Mary's father was a man of the word. He was a church-going man, and he with his wife, Anna, were committed to do the will of God, and their lives were built around the sacred commandments of the Scripture. These were people really committed to the Word of God. And of course, Mary would have been very influenced by her parents who were deeply committed to the Bible and who regularly attended synagogue. And by the way, this makes me think of parents who send their kids to church, but they don't go themselves. My friends, you're sending a wrong signal to your kids. Mary's parents, Joachim and Anna, they went themselves. They read the Bible themselves. They didn't just tell their kids what they needed to do. They set the parental example themselves. And I want to ask you, are you setting the right example for your children? If not, then decide to do it today. But when we look at the examples of Mary and her parents, we see that their example and involvement in teaching Mary was influential in spiritually preparing Mary's heart to say yes to the will of God. But wait, what else do we know about Mary? Well, the Bible tells us she was a virgin. Matthew 1:18 says she was a virgin who was a spouse to a man named Joseph. And the fact that she was a virgin was a fulfillment of Isaiah 7, verse 14, which says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And today there are skeptics who say that this word virgin just means an unmarried girl. But my friends, that simply is wrong. The word virgin is a Greek word which specifically describes a young girl that has never experienced a sexual relationship, not ever, with a man. But it's impossible for somebody to be pregnant without a sexual relationship. And this is why we read in Luke chapter 1, verse 29. And when she, Mary, saw him, Gabriel, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner salutation this should be. And we read in Luke 31 to 34 that Gabriel said, And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and ever and of his kingdom there shall be no end. And in this one statement, Mary discovered that she is going to become supernaturally pregnant. And in Luke 1, 34, Mary said unto the angel, how shall this be seen? I know not a man. Notice that she didn't argue. She simply asked for clarification. She wanted to understand how is this going to take place? And the reason she didn't argue is because it had been instilled in her from an infant. She was to do the will of God with her life. 
And when we read Luke 1, 26 to 35 and 38, the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. That's what she'd been taught all of her life that she was to be the servant of the Lord to do whatever God wanted her to do. And now Mary says, it's my moment. Here I am. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed. Notice that Mary referred to herself as the handmaid of the Lord. That's what she'd been taught from the time that she was an infant. And now her moment has come. She's discovered the will of God. And rather than argue, she simply says, be it unto me according to thy word. But when we come to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, we read something else very important. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost, which means she was a spouse. What does it mean to be a spouse? Well, the espousal period was very serious among the people of Israel. When you were going to get married, you went through an espousal period, which basically was a legal engagement. In fact, it was so legal, you could only break it off with a divorce. And during that period, the young girl would usually move into the home of her future spouse's parents, but she had no sexual relationship with the husband. It was a year of purity. And during that one year, preparing for the final moment when they would be joined together, they went through a time of preparation for marriage. They took marriage so serious, they did not rush into it, which may be one reason why so many marriages fail today. But they studied and they prepared for one year, and it was to be a year of sexual purity. And it was during that year that they were to be sexually pure that Mary was found to be with child. <laughs> well, this could have been a bad moment, but we're going to find out in the next program there's a reason why God chose Joseph as well. But the Bible tells us before they came together, Mary was found with child of the Holy Ghost. So what have we found? Clues as to why God chose Mary first. Mary descended from the house of David, and that was a requirement. Number two, Mary was presented by her parents to the Lord and dedicated as an infant to do the will of God. Number three, Mary had been serving God she had been developing her heart spiritually, and God had been watching all along. And God knew this was a girl who would say yes to his call. What does God know about you? Does God know if he taps you on the shoulder, you'll say, be it unto me according to thy word? And my friends, God is watching you. He knows if you will say, be it unto me according to thy word, I'll do whatever you want me to do. God does not choose people by accident. There are specific reasons why God chooses people. And if you look at the story of Mary, we find clues as to why God chose her. But in the next program, we're going to find out why God chose Joseph to be the foster father of Jesus. I'll be back in just a moment. Do you really know the story of Christmas? Is there more to the story about the birth of our Savior than what you've been told? In this series, Christmas, The Rest of the Story, Rick Renner dives deep into the parts of the Christmas story that most people have never heard. Rick says, I've studied this story for decades, and I found fabulous treasures no one ever shared with me. In this series, we explore the Bible, 
history, historical writings, and so much more, so we can really understand all the events that took place surrounding the birth of Jesus. Rick answers questions like, why did God choose Mary? Was Joseph really a carpenter? Why was Herod so troubled by Jesus' birth? Who were the Magi? And what was the estimated value of their gifts? This 15-part documentary-type series is available in digital or physical format, starting at just $24. And we're excited to also offer you Rick's stunning new book, Christmas, The Rest of the Story, for a special new release price of $35. It's a book you'll want to share with friends and family at this time of the year. This hardcover, 300-page, fully illustrated book is a keepsake that friends and family will pass on to future generations. Don't miss this special offer, the series, Christmas, The Rest of the Story, and the beautiful book, Christmas, The Rest of the Story. Call the number on your screen now or go to renner.org to order. Call or go online now. Hey friends, this is Rick Renner, and today I am standing in the foyer of Rick Renner Ministries in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I just wish I could pick you up and bring you here to see all the wonderful ministry that is happening in this facility where we receive thousands and thousands of phone calls from people just like you who reach out to us for prayer and for teaching they can trust. Proverbs 10:21 says, the lips of the righteous feed many, and we know that's our job. Our job is to feed many. And I want to say thank you to you for everything you've helped us do with your giving. You helped us construct our studio, purchase this building. And now in phase three of our ministry expansion program, we're wanting to pay this facility off so we can liberate all that money to take the teaching of the Bible around the world on additional channels and venues. And by being a part of our giving team, you can really help us make this happen. If you're not already a part of our giving team, please pray about joining us. And together we can join hands and through teaching of the Bible and by ministering to people that reach out to us and by sending teaching products around the world, we can really change people's lives. And it's amazing to me that today it's never been easier to make an impact in somebody else's life right from where you are. Think about that. You don't even have to get out of your chair. Just go online or make a phone call and bam, by becoming a part of the giving team, you can do something that reaches beyond your world into somebody else's life to really make a difference. That is powerful. And according to the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus promises that if we'll go, or if we'll do what we can do to help others go with the Word of God, His power will show up in our lives. So thank you for praying about being a part of our giving team. And the moment you join, I want you to really expect the power of God to show up in your life. Well, we have covered a lot of material today looking for clues as to why God chose Mary. And tomorrow, we're going to see why God chose Joseph to be the foster father of Jesus. Don't miss tomorrow's program because you're going to discover Joseph was not a poor carpenter. It's going to be quite eye-opening. But I'm offering you the series, which is called Christmas, the rest of the story. The subtitle says, Amazing Insights About Christmas You've Never Heard Before. And my friends, it comes with this wonderful study guide. And we're also offering you my book that I really want you to order, Christmas, the rest of the story, nearly 300 pages that are fully 
illustrated. You will dive into this book. It will just be a treasure for you. But I want to pray for you right now. Please put your hand on your heart. Father, thank you that you extend your call to each one of us. Help us, Lord, to become so spiritually attuned that when you reveal your will to us, we will not argue with you, but like Mary, we'll simply say, all right, Lord, I'm yours. Be it unto me according to your word. We pray this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Well, tomorrow is really going to be good, but please remember Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 4, a powerful verse which says, where the word of a king is, there's power. So grab hold of the word of God and let it release its power in your life today. This program was made possible by the giving of the God-called partners of Renner Ministries.